passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the eighteen that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello everybody, welcome to Rewind a Raw. Monday night, October the 30th. I am John Pollock alongside Wei Ting. How you doing? For Halloween, are you ready? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Are you? Um, Sure. Yeah, I guess so. Got your costume? No, no costume of any sort. It's going to be pretty cold tomorrow night. That's what I understand. Actually, it's going to be pretty cold in the morning. Oh, is that right? Yeah. That's what the the temperature is telling me. Wow. Are your kids going trick-or-treat? They are, yes, both of them. So that will be tomorrow night. Yours? Right. Not quite. Uh, fourteen months, you can barely walk. So, um, but got to work. Right. You, you got to do the heavy lifting. I mean, who's going to say no to a fourteen-month-old child? Um, can't really do much with the candy at the at this age, can he? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, we don't really allow. Um, next most. year might be might be go time though for him. I think next year you could you could probably do it. Is that so? Well, I hope the temperature is a bit nicer next year. Be two next year, yeah. I think I think next year you go for it. Really? Okay, we'll see. It's a lot of work. It's not really. It's like anything constitutes a costume. Like you can just buy something off Amazon and mm, boom, right. you're done. Couple couple houses, you're good. He'll be bored. He just wants to eat the candy up and down a street. Done. Do you make it sound so easy? Okay, maybe yeah, we will. This is not like one of the strenuous. Um, activities of the year what what are their costumes this year spider-man and a giraffe Uh, excellent wow yeah the spider-man so it's a pretty good costume fantastic yeah you know what happened this week i i ordered this uh this jacket uh Mm -hmm. like a winter jacket and it was delivered to the wrong house on my street and when they drop it off they take a photo to prove that it was dropped off Mm -hmm. Thing had been dropped off for about 20 minutes and someone stole it. Oh, oh yes. no. This and? is a, this is quite the, uh, the issue in my area where a lot of uh, packages just get swiped 
So it's mm. becoming a real annoyance for people. So if you get something delivered, uh, you better grab it instantly because I think they're like these professional spotters out there that are just looking for these houses that have unclaimed packages and boom, they grab them. So I don't know what my best course of action is. I really want to catch one of these people in the midst of it. Like I've even contemplated putting like an Amazon like package out there and just mm-hmm. like filming. I, I I trust you might have a camera right in front of your door. Don't. Well, I don't know why I should broadcast this. The thing is, it's some of the people on our street have like, like yeah. uh security footage. Yeah. yeah. And they've, posted like the photos of like people that have jumped that have grabbed their packages mm-hmm. and it's like there's there's nothing that anyone does about this there's nothing that is uh well, I mean, you, you can report yeah. it to the police but this is not going to be a priority issue it's like oh god the amazon thief uh let us let us put all of our people onto this issue like what would it's you do babe? but at least you know what the person it's, it's, looks it's like. nice to be a deterrent like i think that's the key so it's like should i should i invest in a big uh security camera or should i just put up a a sign that says you are being recorded and uh that might scare them off just as much you could do that yeah i don't know where the camera is and that might deter somebody but man it drives me nuts we've had multiple things stolen recently you did yes yeah us personally and other people Um, on the street too maybe you can um so i have like a planter box like you know like 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 for for plants and um I just tell like the I have a sign that says like, you know, to all the delivery people to leave it behind it. And if you can't see it from sort of the front of the house, I I'd like to think that it's it's helped. Um, Kind of been lucky so far, you know, um, haven't really had that happen to us. That's smart. You've got to be thinking about that. I'm thinking about getting a P.O. box or something like why? uh, Okay. yeah. Anyway, so there, there for you, you go. But I want my goddamn jacket. That's the issue. So they're not honoring. Um, they they are. They are. They are going to honor it because they, because we inquired. We were like, we got them notice that this has been dropped off, but we never heard a knock. We didn't hear anything. And then when they sent us the photo to prove that they dropped it off, it was like, yeah, you dropped it off at the wrong house. So they did make the mistake of dropping it off at the wrong house. So mm. it, I'm, I'm not out of this. Um, how so, do you know the people that that um they delivered it to didn't steal it? Well, we went we went and asked and um and they were um I think they might have gotten anyway, they they just stated they did not get this. I mean, I, huh. I have no I have no way to prove Did you check their size? I mean, their arms people, length? They, they would not get any usage out of this jacket. So I feel they it's like an older couple, so I I feel like my jacket was uh Hmm. was a subject of theft cool. but anyway so if anyone sees a random jacket uh okay. Toronto, tomorrow night great great costume someone's dressing up as a uh, citizen but underneath they're just a criminal so what kind of jacket it was like a pretty nice jacket like so like style color you know um it was like a um like a navy blue <laughs> what's what's the grand description of a jacket um I don't know. I I didn't I mean, get it. Away, win- so like I don't. I I can't even tell you anything about it because I didn't even get a chance to see this thing. I could bought be, it. It could have been a fur coat, you know, some um, descriptor, jean jacket. You know, lots of types of jackets out there. I I want to see the reactions of some of these people who just grab Am- like they see Amazon, they grab it, and like some of the shit that they. It's like, what was the purpose of this? Like, what I stole. Like nine times out of ten, I shouldn't say nine times out of ten. If it's Amazon, I would say your percentage of something useful is going to be. But, I mean, you take a random package. 
I mean, the yeah. odds are it's like, okay, you, you, you made away with socks. Do you feel good about yourself? Are you going to go to sleep feeling like, wow, that was, that was worth it. That was a real, that was something to ruin somebody's a uh, day and mm. put them out 20 bucks. And I got these uh, socks or this uh, fur coat that John Pollock purchased. I, that's sort of the gamble, isn't it? You know, but if it's free to play, I guess what, what, why would, what, what society are we living in? That's, that's my larger question way. What, what kind of society condones such actions on such a repeated basis? Mm. That's what I want to know. Awful. Okay. Terrible. You're, you're going to be the subject of one of this. And now you've just given away your hiding spot on a giant platform such as ours. And, People are well, at least be... I have a camera. You you told the world you don't have a camera. You'd well, that's what they vote. think. That's what they think. You know, I'm going to um, I don't know. I'll find my 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 form of security. Okay, I'm just gonna yeah. sit. I'm just gonna hide. Okay, you're start, you're about to start packing. I think I'm gonna catch this person. That's what I'm gonna do. Okay, I'm gonna find I'm my gonna jacket. Watch out. Yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> All right, we have lots to discuss. Lots to get into from tonight's uh, an epic edition of Raw from Greenville. South Carolina. Way, did you get to watch any of the fight between Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou or the surrounding coverage or the hundreds of people flown in for this this event from Kanye West and Eminem to Mike Tyson and Chuck Liddell? Like, dude, they, everybody, like every boxer you could imagine of the last three decades was flown in for this thing. What Did, did any of this come across your uh, purview over the weekend? I largely stayed away from all of it, um, but uh, upon maybe some, you know, what many would consider to be a shocking result of the match itself, I decided to watch some of the highlights. So it seems like a weekly occurrence now, me digging into boxing highlights. I mean, this was, it was something like we went in and this was, I mean, Francis Ngani was an enormous underdog and I'm hardly going to be one that uh, claimed to. Uh, have any prediction that differed from most people that I thought this was going to be a routine win by uh, Tyson Fury. His title was not even on the line in this fight, but I ended up watching the fight. And I mean, Francis Ngannou not only equated himself well, but you had a lot of people believing uh, that that he won this fight. Uh, the key being a knockdown he scored in the third round, which as soon as I saw this knockdown, it's like it does not matter what the hell happens after this moment. He has knocked down the heavyweight champion, this photo is going to, this is going to be the photo of the year in combat sports. And it is going to be the defining photo of Francis Ngannou's career, uh, barring something greater that this man happens to do. But it was, uh, it was an incredible moment. And they went to the judges scorecards. Fury did win by split decision. I thought it was, you know, I was not like actively scoring this, but I thought it was, it was a very close fight. And I, I feel like this is a really the win and the loss. It, it was irrelevant by the end of it. This was not like the title was even on the line. And Francis Ngannou is made in boxing. He can now open the door for so many other high-profile heavyweight fights. I don't know what he made for this fight. I've heard speculation of like into the eight figures. I think Tyson Fury was guaranteed like $50 million for this fight and already had a follow-up fight scheduled for December 23rd after this. So, I mean, this certainly leads to... Um, for Francis Ngannou, he's got a mixed martial arts contract with the PFL, but the money that he is going to be able to make uh, in his next boxing fight, and there will be another boxing fight, whether it is Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, or whether it's a rematch with Tyson Fury that I think would be enormous uh, next year. Once you have like this was um, 
you know, I, I don't want to compare uh, this to like Rocky one because Francis Ngannou was not a guy off the street here. I mean, this was your, your, your lineal UFC heavyweight champion, but th- th- there was absolutely no prayer of him coming in and being competitive with the, with the lineal boxing heavyweight champion. So you've got a great story for a rematch after this and many feeling Ngannou won. And the question of, was this just the best night of Ngannou's life and the worst of Tyson Fury's? Um, so anyway, that was, that was the big story from the weekend, but it was uh, just watching this entire thing. And God knows I did not watch this entire presentation, but this pay-per-view, it lasted like six hours and they produced this like they did a, opening ceremonies for the Olympic games. Uh, It was like six hours in length. There were two separate arenas. There was like an indoor and outdoor arena. They built this venue for this fight. And I would love to know what the all in budget was for this from the purses, the construction, the celebrities, influencers, fighters flowing in like this might have been the largest budget ever for a combat sports event. I hmm. I can't imagine what would be near this. And you just watch this way and like this is like this is where we are at now. This is the future of combat sports. I think this is where big MMA fights are going to go, big boxing fights. Like they already are securing all of these massive heavyweight boxing fights. We know what the state is with the WWE and professional wrestling. Vince McMahon and The Undertaker were part of this event. Vince McMahon calling Saudi Arabia, this is our home. Um, this, like for years and years, we have been talking about this, and this is the the plan in action, and it has it has succeeded. I mean, that's that's the conclusion I came at the end of this is that this um this grand idea of transferring all of this uh power and using the very um the very influential drug that is sport, it it has worked, and you are going to see like this is a level of production and money that I don't think many are going to be able to compete with. And I'm very curious to see how much of a transfer of some of the biggest fights are going to transfer themselves over here to, to Saudi Arabia. Mm. It's a (laughs) combat sports in general are um, I, I don't know how many people view them as sort of like, you know, traditionally ethical, um, hobbies or forms of entertainment um they are but this is going to be way all forms of sports and entertainment that we're going to see like of these you know the the level of you know concerts that are going to be going there major sports leagues like we already see like uh uh ronaldo (laughs) who is making like you know 213 million a year or something playing for the league over there in, in Saudi Arabia. I mean, it, it combat sports is just one area of concentration, but it certainly extends further. And it is to me only going to expand to make this like the combat sports capital to make it an entertainment destination. Um, and this, I mean, if you see this broadcast on Saturday, like here they have, the platform of all platforms for sports fans. It's an ESPN plus pay-per-view and it's all of the talking points that we hear on WWE shows and praising the, the note that like, this is as much a tourist destination point that they are uh, selling. And I mean, and, and again, I definitely want to, as we talk about it a lot this week, like differentiate like the, the people of Saudi Arabia versus the government of Saudi Arabia that is ultimately funding all of this and and doing so for a reason and 
and it's been a successful strategy for them. Like that, that's my takeaway from, from Saturday. Like this, this has worked, whatever your um, uh, personal opinions are like, you cannot deny that this, um, this, this has won out. Well, probably would have worked a lot sooner than even now if they didn't kill a journalist. Yeah, that might have uh, slowed things down for for a few years, but they have uh, gotten mm-hmm. back on track after all of these years. Did you get to see any of uh, Vince McMahon and The Undertaker? They did do, uh, surprisingly, some um, some interviews while they were over there, including a Mike Bond of uh, MMA Junkie, and not a whole lot to take away from it other than the comment Vince McMahon making about this is our home now and emphasizing that several times and also being asked about his history with Dana White and... I would go out on a limb and imagine that because he was traveling, uh, Vince McMahon missed my uh, my update last Friday when I wrote about the history of Vince <laughs> McMahon and Dana White because it seemed like he was not as up to speed about all the stuff about the history of himself and uh, and, and Dana. But yes, he uh, he must have missed that one while while traveling. Mm, see, yeah, see, I, he he did make a point of saying I'm the better businessman, whether <laughs> it was in jest or not. I never know. I don't know if Vince McMahon has a sarcasm filter. I think it's just that's Vince McMahon. Sure. Yeah. Um. Who knows when the character begins and when the real person ends? I don't know if he knows at this point. But um, uh, just look at this picture though. I was just gonna say, like, to me, look at this. Like, I mean, okay, we all know the Undertaker, Mark Calloway, is the most loyal soldier that Vince McMahon has ever had. It seems like you know, for a guy who commands maybe as much respect from the public as he seems to for his career, um. Look at the loving eyes he gives to Vince McMahon, you know, just like a very loyal dog next to his owner, um, <laughs> ready to to bite anybody who, you know, Vince wants him to. I'm, I'm uh, glad to see The Undertaker has, has come to terms with all of the uh, the public accusations over <laughs> over the last uh, 18 months. And he's he's come to terms with uh, all these uh, problematic issues. Uh, yes, right. It's good to see. Um I mean, uh, you know, Vince calling um, Saudi Arabia his home. They need this deal to renew, you know, at the end of this this um, what term. Well, how far are we? Five years? They're only five years in. They've got another five on it. This is a deal that brings them about $100 million per year. That's like two Tyson Furies. And um, yeah, they will. Uh, they will not, only, not only do they want it to renew, I'm sure they're looking for, a, you know, an increase however they can, you know, at, at levels like this for this event. And and in all seriousness, I, you know, uh, in the Observer, it was reported, you know, like Vince McMahon, it seemed like, was very instrumental in the UFC getting this deal with Saudi Arabia. And mm-hmm. listen, you have to look at, um, you know, Vince McMahon, the individual, and Vince McMahon, the businessman. And, you know, for someone to have already been able to assist in that deal, I can only imagine what the UFC is getting for, for their specials that are going to be multiple cards per year. Mm-hmm. That's a big asset. Like that has been uh, a country UFC has never gone to. And I think that, yeah, when this deal is up, it will be very interesting to see like where, um, where, where at that point is Saudi Arabia looking like what is their benefit? Like this is not a, are we making money on this deal or not? It's the value WWE brings to us. And now by extension, the UFC. And you would think that that would likely continue, but who knows where this country is going to be five years from now. Um, if you watch this on Saturday, I mean, I see it being like this is going to be a worldwide force when it comes to sports, entertainment and all things in between. Do you think there's going to be a greater demand for these cards to feel not just big for a Middle Eastern card, but big on a global scale? 
I think they only are going to want to expand. Like, again, if you saw the production that went into this show, I could see them wanting to grow this even larger, like to get not just like they're going to get a fight night card next year. That's the first card. I think they are going to be shooting for the biggest fights in the world and the ability to put on a level of production that no one over here can do for for fight sports. Um, They're competing with like, the, the spheres of the world that have just opened up in Las Vegas. Like that was, um, I think that is the level of what they are competing with. And money is not going to be any kind of an object as we saw on Saturday. Like I would, I would love to know what the grand total was for that spectacle on, on Saturday. That just, I mean, to the point that, Hey, do we need to have Riddick bow? Yeah. Fly Riddick bow over. We need Riddick bow. We need junior Dos Santos. Yeah. We need like, just Sure. No, no price uh, was any kind of object for this. But yeah, there was a lot you can take away from this card on Saturday. Uh, we will be discussing further with uh, Kareem Zidane uh, on Brandon uh, with Thurston and myself this coming Wednesday, three Eastern. Brian Danielson. So this is this is this is such a Brian Danielson type of, of story on an unfortunate one too. So Wednesday uh, we come on like minutes after dynamite. So we are just like watching this and both way and I, uh, had I think the takeaway most had that this you know felt like a injury angle and the way it came off like they're shooting him the announcers are paying attention to it they are even referencing like Okada is giving him some look or almost like uh making fun of him like just the way like it just felt like an angle we learn later that no he does have an orbital bone injury but in fact this was an injury angle but an injury angle for a real injury because um i think it was si.com that was the first to report that he suffered the injury a week prior in the match with andrade on collision so he comes into this match and works it with an orbital bone injury which does not sound like a great idea especially when the finish is okay you're going to give me a superman punch to the face um don't don't hit the orbital bone that is broken and then Mm. into the rainmaker so yeah he did the whole match with the injury and i guess uh it has not been confirmed if he has actually had or in fact needs the the surgery but i mean it it comes down to the extent of an orbital bone uh fracture um that's an awful injury uh to have and Certainly, it would make it questionable of him being back this year and and who knows how much uh, longer like an orbital bone fracture is a very significant injury. And it's been a lot of terrible injuries that this guy has had. Yeah, um, I feel the most for his daughter who, you know, has to yet again see poor dad hurt with a big boo-boo, um, you know, going to. I mean, you, you say it in jest, <laughs> but like these injuries, like for somebody that is a, a father and it's like he spent his whole summer with a with a broken arm, with a rod inserted, like mm-hmm. these are things like you can't play with your kids or you can't just do regular daily functions. And you've just come back from one injury that required all this rehabilitation and boom, now we're into the next phase of rehab like that that gets tiresome when you have a lot of other priorities in your life besides pro wrestling. Well, it's the entire reason for what, you know, we now know to be his retirement year or his retirement tour. If you want to call it that, I mean, he doesn't want to disappoint his 
kids anymore and have his kids see him hurt. So um, whether or not this cuts that short, you know, the deadline, according to his the story, is that um, before his daughter turns seven, he will be taking himself um, out of, uh, I guess, uh, full-time professional wrestling. And whether or not that still continues to be true with this layoff, um, you know, my, we wonder. Uh, it, it's it's disappointing, you know, um, but at the same time, maybe this is more of an, a sign, you know, for him to to not necessarily have this be the main thing in his life anymore. It's disappointing for all of us, certainly, especially if um, Wrestle Kingdom and a rematch against Okada might have been in the cards. Uh, this certainly puts that into jeopardy. This would be uh, really tough to imagine January 4th. He can come back from, again, like the extent, uh, like typically like a broken orbital bone like that is, I, I would think like that's probably out of the cards. but. I mean, we need to know like the the extent of of damage done, but that would seem very optimistic for January fourth. And if you're Tony Khan, you know you you just kind of put a lot on Brian Danielson to be basically the surrogate for CM Punk to lead AEW Collision. Now you don't have that anymore, along with um, other injuries that you're dealing with all the time. But that is the business, you know that that is especially with the style that these these wrestlers are expected to work at. Can you imagine if you're like Tony Khan or Brian Danielson and you're just like so down about getting the, the diagnosis on this and maybe you're just like, uh, I need to just put my mind elsewhere and you turn on like Twitter and there's Darby Allen returns to Nitro Circus tonight because he didn't make the landing last week and you're just thinking, mm-hmm. Christ, well, how, did, how does this guy get up from all that he does and here's like a, an errant uh, injury? For, uh, to, to Brian Danielson. He's much younger and he's much crazier, I would say, than uh, even Brian Danielson. But... You don't think Danielson's going to try Nitro Circus? Uh, another lifetime, uh, perhaps. So, yeah, and if you saw Collision, it does seem like Claudio Castagnoli, of course, he's got the match with Orange Cassidy Wednesday, but I I think whether it's like as a stand-in for Danielson, I think we're getting an Okada Castagnoli match at some point, and that's, mm-hmm. I mean, not 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 a poor substitute. Not at all. Now, is it Wrestle Kingdom worthy if that if Brian versus Okada was going to be the plan over there? No, it's not, not yet. But um, in match quality wise, I think it could very well be. So um, I I look forward to that match a lot too. Did you see MJF and Kenny Omega on Saturday? Yes, I did. Yes, I thought this was. I mean, there there have been. I would put on the short list um, some of the FTR tag title matches, like the the fifty eight minute match. Um, th- this to me would would be the best match thus far in collisions relatively short history i thought this match was just out of this world uh i watched it very late on saturday so i hadn't seen any of the reaction to the match or so i went into this one cold and i just thought like for for 30 minutes this was as compelling a television match as i have watched recently it was every bit i think a pay-per-view level main event um you know certainly one of the matches of the year um clean finish like way more than I think anyone expect. Like you had the Don hmm. Callis involvement, but that was a clean finish. I would say like they there were- was enough for like, you know, Kenny to be able to say, Hey, like you, you disrupted my concentration and you ultimately led me to, you know, lose the match. So they do have an out, but yeah, it was about as clean as I think you could get with a little bit of distraction, but yeah, the endorsement afterwards, like this, this did not feel like one where they're planning to come back to it. No, not at all. I mean, it was, the, it was the type of match that was so good. Uh, you have to if you're fishing for any sort of criticism it's that why wasn't this on a bigger stage with more why didn't you make me pay for this yeah that's (laughs) it's weird but the economic wrestling fans are thinking about listen uh, i i think 
okay, you wouldn't have been able to tie this in with the title, the with the title record being broken. I think this is a much stronger match if you had built it up for two months for full gear. Um, you couldn't time it out with the with the title reign, but I mean, with this match um, versus MJF against Jay White, and we're three weeks out from full gear, and now. I, I- I actually think it's totally fine to have this on on a collision, but um, I I guess maybe having more than three days build, I feel is is at least maybe um might have helped a little bit. Again, uh, do we have collision numbers yet? No, those won't be out till Tuesday. So um, they were against opinion, the World Series though, and college football. Like I like this is not going to spike to a level where it's you know beating some of the like summer numbers for right. a collision. I, I can't fathom that, but you're right. Like if they had had this in mind, it should have been MJF kind of like goading Kenny Omega from like 30 days, 23 mm. days and just building it up just, and it can just be random uh, like a countdown to what this record means. And it didn't even have to be like a significant build, but I think everyone would agree like three days was just too, too little for such mm. a significant first time ever match that AEW has put together. But this is so unusual, I suppose, for Tony Khan's booking. I mean, you know, we had Punk versus MJF. Their first meeting was on television. And um, they must be confident enough that whenever they want to build to a rematch between the two, they will, you know, be able to to uh, draw that same amount of interest. And they certainly would after a performance like this. I mean, this was, again, one of the, certainly one of the TV matches of the year. If somebody wants to consider it one of the matches of the year, I would not make too big of an argument. It was every bit the high caliber Kenny Omega that you you expect in the world title challenge and MJF at his best too. So fantastic match. Ronda Rousey is going to team with Marina Shafir on November 16th in LA for a pro wrestling revolver card. And this comes days after she got involved uh, in an impromptu tag with Shafir against Taya Valkyrie and Brian Kendrick at the Lucha Vavoom show last Thursday. So this will be in Los Angeles and it's, The day before AEW is doing back-to-back nights in LA, Ronda Rousey clearly not contractually bound any longer by WWE and can do this. And do you think that this is going to at all elicit speculation about Ronda Rousey doing something in AEW? Like she will be in LA. She's obviously open to doing wrestling um, and at a very smaller level than, you know, she could be. Sure. Yeah, why not? Um, I think a lot of it might depend on how she looks here, too, and whether or not um, it's a favorable performance. At the moment, I think, you know, her reputation amongst wrestling audiences, especially what I would consider more your, you know, diehard wrestling base um, that might be watching AEW is not very positive. So I don't sense a lot of demand for Ronda Rousey in AEW, but I'm very curious to see how she, what she does as part of this, you know, wrestling revolver. It might be a one-time appearance. It might be a run because um, without maybe some of the, um, I don't even want to call them creative shackles because like Ronda might've been somebody that really needed a lot of those sort of like, mm, you know, a lot of the sort of like kids gloves, you know, handling of her professional wrestling character and certainly promos. But at the same time, I'm curious to see like what version we get outside of those confines and in more of like a free independent wrestling atmosphere so i it this this show has my interest um and whether or not i certainly wouldn't expect her like to debut anytime soon for aew but could she be sitting ringside you know to, to take it a match i'm to, to further speculation and her own self uh worth in in, in the in sort of like the public sphere possibly and, and what the overall temperature is for ronda rousey like how much how much this is even going to be intriguing like certainly if you're local like maybe this is something interested to go see um it's on fight 
yeah, it's 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 on fight and people can can check it out. I think there'll be curiosity in it, but I don't, I don't know if anyone's necessarily like beating down the doors um, about the latest chapter for a Ronda Rousey uh, wrestling run. I, you know, the, the AEW thing, we're only just throwing out there because mm-hmm. she's in the city and this is the day before. Um, well, they'll be doing the, the live collision and rampage and then the pay-per-view is Saturday. Um, and obviously she wants to do something with Marina Shafir. So that that is your tie in. Um, SmackDown ratings. They were on FS1 on Friday night. They did a very good number. They were fifth among all sports behind the World Series and the NBA, doing a million one hundred forty-five thousand viewers and a point three five. So this would be their second largest audience ever on FS1, behind the episode in July, which was an episode built around the rules of engagement between Roman Reigns and Jay Uso. This time around, contract signing, not not as enticing as the rules of engagement. So maybe they should have learned to uh, maybe they should have renamed this. They should have titled this something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Canada. um, So because of the World Series game, it was only available on Sportsnet 360. So that likely swelled uh, the number there. But this was their largest audience since March the 31st. Two hundred and fifty six thousand viewers and eighty five thousand in the demo. They were up twenty nine percent from last week. And this was going against the World Series that did 9.2 million viewers and a Heat Celtics game that did 1.6 million viewers. So that was a very good showing for SmackDown moving over to FS1. And what will be interesting is this Friday, if the series does go to six games, they will get moved to FS1 again because Fox is airing all of the World Series games. And this one will not have the benefit of a whole week of promotion and obviously tonight not being able to promote something that might not be the case. So if the series ends on Wednesday, then they're free and clear on Fox, but there is the chance that there could be a six game on Friday night. And it's a tape show on Friday as well. Right. Hmm. Rampage. Not good news. They fell 7% in viewership to 319,000 and a 0.09 in the demo. This was their second lowest 18 to 49 demo in its normal time slot ever. For Rampage, uh, this also going against the World Series and a slightly higher NBA game with the Golden State Sacramento, which was the late game that did one point one point eight million viewers. Women were women eighteen to thirty four fell sixty percent this week. They were down to four thousand. That was the average throughout the two hours. Um, not a not a great number for Rampage, despite everyone that maybe was tuning in for uh, the blow off to Mike Santana and Ortiz. Which honestly, those two they have had a pretty compelling feud on rampage but it's been sequestered to rampage so i don't know how many people were watching this but i really got into the the promo videos that they did and they had a very good match on friday night and you know it was a feud that they just kept relegated to rampage so um you you can't say like they weren't um dedicating something significant for rampage but they were up against a lot and it is rampage so felt like a really relevant show and, and maybe as of you know the past couple of weeks rampage has felt like a more of a show that's worth worth carving an hour out of your your very busy wrestling schedule to watch. i i really enjoy having a 60 minute show that goes by real quick we're talking like you know 45 minutes without commercials mm-hmm. you usually get some some good different matches like it feels like a WCW Saturday night back in the day where they just had this crazy roster. And yes, you could do 
Randy Savage against Eddie Guerrero one week. And it's like these two would never have any reason to face off on Nitro. But on Saturday night, maybe you can just throw this out there. And that's kind of rampage. It's just look at our roster. We can mix and match all we want. It's it's a decent enough crowd that you have, but it is, you know, late after Dynamite. But it's I I enjoy having a 60 minute show in this sea of three hour shows, two hour shows. Um, it's just, it's not going to be everyone's number one priority each week. And uh, the last things here are just the the cards coming up. Um, don't have time to go over uh, Sawin from Saturday night. Did you, uh, did you hear I did any not. buzz coming out of Sawin? Not really. I wasn't really paying much attention either. Have you? No, no. But we will talk about uh, Smashing Pumpkins later on tonight's Raw. <laughs> but Halloween Havoc goes down Tuesday night, the second week of it. So this will, again, be going against the World Series. And we have Ilya Dragunov against Carmelo Hayes, their third match for the NXT title. Chelsea Green and Piper Niven, the Hart Foundation, taking on JC Jane and Thea Hale. We're probably going to get costumes for tons of people on the show tomorrow night. Maybe Green mm-hmm. and Niven was just a preview tonight. I think everybody might be in costume, sure. Do you think they redo the Heart Foundation, or do they come as something different? You, you got to do something do the same new. costume two nights well, in a row. She was facing Natty tonight, right? Yeah, but but what do you dress up for as uh, J.C. Jane and uh, Thea Hale? Uh, um, talks uh, Mandy Rose. <laughs> um, That'd be kind of funny. They dress up as like Gigi and Mandy Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominic Mysterio against Nathan Frazier for the North American title. The finals of the women's breakout tournament. Lola Vice against Kalani Jordan. Tiffany Stratton against Fallon Henley. Braun Breaker versus Mr. Stone. And our first tables, ladders, and scares match. The Creeds taking on Umberto Carrillo and Angel Garcia. Angel could be, Garza. Could be the Creeds' last match on NXT. Yes. Yes. Maybe the scare is someone jokes and says, oh, you're staying down here in NXT. Oh, goodness. Um, Just kidding. Happy Halloween. You're off to Raw. Okay, so that's coming up. A very good lineup for them. And Dynamite Wednesday, three matches announced. Orange Cassidy and Claudio Castagnoli, which should be great. MJF and three mystery partners against Jay White, Juice Robinson and the Guns, and just added tonight, Jericho and Omega against Matt Menard and Angelo Parker in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. So that is coming up. But it is Halloween, and we know that there are a lot of sites out there that want to play tricks on you, but thankfully we have the treat courtesy of Nord VPN. Thank you very much, John. Love, lovely. We're very well done. Our thanks for the last time this month to our sponsors, Nord VPN. It's a service I use every day to keep my online browsing secure and encrypted. I also use it to sign up for online services I can't get in Canada. For instance, switching my location to the UK or Australia gives me the ability to subscribe to AEW Plus on Fight. It is my favorite way of catching up on AEW programming. I can start Dynamite, Collision, and Rampage whenever I want, along with archives of past AEW TV broadcasts. It's way less of a hassle than dealing with pirated websites, and it gives me full HD quality. Plus, it gives me the ability to purchase pay-per-views at half the price you can also try using your vpn to get cheaper flights hotel bookings and car rentals i've even used nord to get cheaper netflix and youtube premium subscriptions a standard two-year plan with nord costs three dollars and eight cents a month when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash post wrestling so it's already paid for itself many times over you get four months on top of all two-year plans when you sign up using our url try it and get your money back within 30 days if you're not satisfied again three dollars and eight cents a month when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash post wrestling Check the link in the show description. Sign up with code Post Wrestling. Get yourself some bonus months and let Nord know you found them through Post. Beautiful readway. You should be an you should be a uh, a Nord VPN expert. 
for Halloween. I I'm you should go door to door and tell people about NordVPN. Um, that might me uh, that might get me kicked out for uh, faster than stealing their Amazon packages. <laughs> it it could it might be as uh, as gruesome. Raw tonight was in Greenville, South Carolina. We start off with Rhea Ripley, Dominic, and JD McDonough coming out, and Ripley is laughing about the state of Cody's ankle after Priest shattered it last week, and that Rollins and Drew have a decision to make, and it will determine who leaves as champion on Saturday. And notes that the odds are stacked against her, against four of the best women in WWE, but that doesn't matter. Sami Zayn comes out. He says he fought people like Judgment Day his entire life that only chase power. And if that's your game, then my name isn't Sami Zayn. It's Rebellion. <laughs> Rebellion Zayn. I thought this was going to be a, a, a character change. Or hmm. He said Rebellion or Resistance. Take your pick. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 Sami Zayn's fine. Used to it now. Maybe given his, uh, his Quebecois roots, he could be La Resistance. He will fight to his last breath and uh, gave a very spirited uh, speech here and is willing to fight the judgment day and everything they stand for until they are no more. And Ripley says, we don't even need the numbers advantage to take care of you. And she volunteers Damian Priest to face Amy tonight. Ricochet runs down and we segue into um, Ricochet against Dominic Mysterio. I thought Rhea and Zayn both said it really good here. You know, um, Rhea, again, they're really trying to convey, present basically as the leader of the group. And I thought Zayn, whenever he needs to, is able to dial up that passion to give you a really, you know, effective babyface underdog promo whenever they need. Um, these days, it doesn't feel as often as um, maybe back in, you know, February, but it's nice that we still got a little bit of that Zayn here. Kind of gave us like, big spirited promo that like there was nothing for him to say here other than what do you mean he's he's reminding us that he's still one of the um sort of leading opposers of this heel stable that's taken over the show he's not just going to fall into the background he will be here opposing them forever and he's going to start by going for jd mcdonough on the kickoff show at crown jewel yeah, how about that? You know, the, the man um, made evented the last Saudi Arabia show and was kind of positioned as like, you know, the biggest baby face of, for that particular region. Um, this time, at least you could say he got onto the show, but uh, are you surprised they didn't have him in a bigger slot? No, because there was nothing um, really going for him other than like they could have done this. They could have done Jay Uso against one of the bloodline. They went with Sammy. I'm more bummed that they're bringing back kickoff matches. I was like, you mean I got to tune in 20 minutes before the show now? Got eight hold matches. This is early enough. For people on the West Coast? 10 a.m. 9.30. 10 a.m. is the main show. Yeah. Yeah, 9.30. Early. Uh, By the way, um, speaking of forever, uh, Ric Flair is still in the opening package, which kind of surprised me. Someone forgot. Yeah, okay. I'll be rectified. Tune in tomorrow. And they got Edge out of there pronto. Hmm. Well, good catch on your part. Dominic and Ricochet. Dominic catches the leg of Ricochet, crotches him on the middle rope, and they they heavily promoted Halloween Havoc throughout the night and Dominic's match with Nathan Frazier. 
Ricochet comes back, standing shooting star and a suicide dive. They go through the break. And then after Dominic misses a 619, there's a handspring back elbow, Cabrada for a two count, and then lands the super kick to Dominic. Ricochet climbs to the top, but Rhea gets onto the apron and JD gets involved behind the referee's back. And Dominic rolls up Ricochet. And man, he just went to the heel handbook here. He hooked the tights, put his feet on the ropes, and got the pin on Ricochet in 11 minutes and 27 seconds. And uh, then Ricochet takes out JD and hits the recoil on Dom before Rhea pulls Dominic to safety away from the shooting star press. I thought it was a really good TV match. You know, Ricochet looked excellent, as did Dominic, who really does continue to impress, like, given maybe, again, relatively lack of, um, I guess, experience working various styles. But, man, he hung hung in there, and he looked really good. Yeah, you go from Ricochet one night to Nathan Frazier the next. It's quite the pair, quite the pairing, right? And I'm sure that tomorrow's match is going to be fantastic, too. This show had to have set a record for the amount of video packages on it. First up was a video on the history of DIY. And then we had promo packages throughout the night from the five women involved in the women's title match at Crown Jewel, beginning with Raquel Rodriguez. And this was, I'm coming to win the title and no one will stop me. Can that summarize the five? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you did get a bit of a taste of, I guess, I don't know, the voices of each person, but they, there wasn't a whole lot of substance, I would say, to any of these individual ones. Though I do enjoy the fact that they, you know, it probably forced, might be, might have been forced into it for whatever reason, maybe just to give people some time off before like lengthy travel to Saudi Arabia. But um, on the other hand, I think the video packages in this case helped give them five different chances to advertise this match throughout the course of the night. Um, and it, by the end, it kind of made it feel like one of the bigger matches on this card simply because of the number of times they reminded us of it. Yeah. Who was the poor editor that was said, Hey, we need to remind people who Candace LeRae is. Can you put a video package there for Candace LeRae? Sure. I'll get right on that. Well, Michael Cole certainly needed it. Well, tonight. Michael Cole needed a refresher too. Alpha Academy come out. Their open challenge was answered by the Creeds coming up uh, along with Ivy Nile, who was uh, brought out here. And they did a video together on Julius and Brutus Creed. And we start off with a wrestling sequence between Gable and Julius and Julius delivering a deadlift vertical, like from a seated position up to his feet and then hands him off to Brutus. And they get the two big guys in with Brutus and Otis. Uh, so they're doing power spots together. And then a pair of double suplexes as the Creeds go to the floor. We come back. Otis does the Caterpillar. And then it's Brutus with an axe handle and a standing moonsault. Gable's in for the save. And then Brutus can't get Otis off his feet. He gets caught off the turnbuckle into a world's strongest slam. And the save is made when Julius comes off the top with a 450 splash followed by Gable with a top rope moonsault. And this was when this crowd was super into this and the athleticism. You've got Michael Cole comparing them to the Steiners and the Road Warriors. Uh, Maxine gets on the apron. So this gets her and Ivy Nile involved. And then Maxine pulls down Ivy. Tozawa gets involved. And then it's Tozawa taking a German suplex from Ivy Nile. Uh, The Otis bomb gets stopped. And then Julius lifts up Otis on the shoulders followed by the Brutus ball, and they pin Otis in 10 minutes and 57 seconds. This is how you call up a team, and Mm -hmm. they look great in this match. I thought this was a great matchmaking decision to put them in with these two, and, man, they 
just got over to me in in this 11 minute match they gave them time they shined and then they put them over at the end as well so i i thought this was a great handling of the creeds for people that had never seen them before and uh, i thought this was like a really strong introduction incredible debut of an nxt call-up and they've had a few you know i I mean as recently as dragon lee who i thought um had a very similar show stealing type of performance that got people talking about them coming out of the show despite not making any prior appearances on this on the main roster um but it's a pretty simple formula isn't it you know bring them out let them have a hot match with appropriate opponents give them enough time to you know have the match itself and to do cool moves um commentary i thought also did a great job of educating the audience not just about the brothers but ivy nile as well who got her own little spot so really really fantastic um treatment of of what obviously what they consider to be a pretty big project giving them a win on their debut over uh alpha academy here so i i certainly wouldn't have thought that like the creed brothers would be on the same level as like diy you know um looking at how when both of those um acts might have started over in nxt but like you have diy that's very much a representation of black and gold the representation of black and gold and i would say the creed brothers very much a representation of of 2.0 and they're both kind of getting their starts essentially at the same time or at least on the same level here um and i would even contend that the creed brothers probably had a more memorable match tonight i i thought they came off like really well um DIY, it feels as though they're they're trying to channel what was there for both of these guys that have really like you the audience has seen these two struggle on mm-hmm. the main roster and now trying to get them going uh with an act that worked years ago, whereas the creeds have that freshness to them. Fans have not seen them uh climb up and struggle and fail. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that there's something to be said for that. And I think that people have a lot of confidence that, you know, next week we're not gonna see, you know. Brutus being a guy who like does cannonballs into pools and I don't know what would you do with Julius? He'd be like they've done some goofy stuff at NXT. You know, they they have, but I I think like they'll they'll have a uh, a better projection here. We we will see, but I also like the idea of like you can certainly revisit um, like Julius and Chad Gable. Like you can get some TV matches out of this Mm -hmm. and have like some kind of. you know, partnership here. And this is a great team to introduce the creeds with over several weeks beyond just tonight. Agreed. But because of the similarity, maybe to Chad Gable and Alpha Academy, I wonder if they might be um, thinking about SmackDown for the team instead. Yeah, They did have Wade mention that, you know, indicating like they're free agents and Raw and SmackDown should both be going after them. So mm-hmm. you could very well see them. They couldn't be on SmackDown this week, but the idea of like both, both GMs are interested in the creeds mm-hmm. and making it, feel like they're free agents the new day show up dressed as damian priest and xavier woods for halloween and the, the new they, judgment day the new judgment day and they walk into ripley and dominic before leaving and uh, dominic says that ricochet needs to pay priest says like we don't have any leaders in this but you volunteered me for this match with Sami Zayn tonight and i've got a lot of things on my mind so ripley says that damian you are the punishment martinez of judgment day and priest says let's make tonight about judgment day and they all cheer and say yeah we're all judgment day right but with you know um i guess priest kind of giving more of like a hesitant look towards Rhea, and Rhea kind of playing trying to smooth things out even though she knows that she's been overstepping her bounds as a 
leader, you know, of the group. So I think this has all been pretty well done. I think they've effectively built some interesting tension between Rhea and Priest. Um, I continue to love JD thinking and acting as if he's a part of the group, but like Rhea kind of doing things like, you know, like taking his hand away when he's going for like, you know, the, the, the sort of group um, uh, uh, thing and priest still not accepting him. So there are some really interesting like group dynamics between the characters right now. It's really, it's not at, you know, peak bloodline levels when you had Sammy and Jay and, and, and Jimmy and, and, and solo everybody. Um, but it's approaching it. I would say, you know, they're doing a very good job with them. Does Damien priest cash in on Rhea? I, and that would be the ultimate swerve, right? They would never see it coming. Uh, Nia Jax promo, just squash, squash. She's really trying to get squashed over. Not right. not exactly uh, working. Miz TV with uh, pumpkins on the set. He introduces Gunther, but Gunther doesn't come out. Instead, Vinci and Kaiser make their way out, and they just berate the Miz. They, he's everything that's wrong with the WWE universe today. You're just a clown. But Miz says, at least I've never been a sidekick and calls Vinci a third wheel. And Miz is stunned when Vinci finally speaks. Vinci says, I talk when I want to talk. And Kaiser shuts him down. Gunther comes out and Gunther says he's part of this segment, but he makes it clear he is not the guest on Miz TV. He would never lower himself to be a guest on Miz TV. He does not respect the Miz. Miz comes back stating, I interviewed an invisible John Cena in this seat and he was more entertaining than you. And says that he is the biggest star in WWE, and I can be serious when I want to be. He beat Orton for the title, he headlined WrestleMania against John Cena, and he won a world title a decade later. And he made the IC title the most prestigious in all of WWE, and he can do it again, which Gunther and many people laughed at. Gunther calls him a great sports entertainer, which <laughs> might have been a historical note where sports entertainer was an act of insult here. Mm-hmm. Um he says that uh, you are about creating moments. So let's create another moment. And Kaiser takes the pumpkin. I thought they were going to put the pumpkin on his head, but that was reserved for later. Instead, he smashes it and Gunther challenges him to do something about it. Miz attacks Kaiser and gets dropped by a chop. And it leads to a three on one attack as Miz then retreats and uh, goes to the back as DIY comes out. I thought this was a really great segment. You know, I first of all, I love the fact that despite both of these acts being heels, they're not automatically friends with each other. You know, because philosophically, Imperium should be directly opposed to somebody like the Miz. You know, their philosophy. I mean, they're they're representatives of, of I guess, the most pure um, sport based sort of professional wrestlers in the actual company um and the fact that the miz is probably more the most pure representative of sports entertainment that they might have um i think is made for some really interesting sort of um dynamics in this particular relationship and it actually paved the way for what seemed to be at least a one night baby face turn for the miz here where he was um basically opposing a heel stable three on one and he was holding his own on the microphone i mean there's something to be said about the immense confidence for a guy that you know gets criticized for not having uh, balls i suppose um on the microphone i mean his balls are huge okay like he really is fantastic in, in terms of his confidence and his ability to talk up his accolades from 10 years ago that um you might as well have been from i guess you know last week the, the way he brings them up um you know week after week uh, but i thought he had some really great comebacks can't say i'm interested in a match coming out of this uh, or miz sort of an intercontinental title chase, but I thought these promos were really strong. 
But this does justify a spot in a four-way number one contenders match. And that's what you got to. I don't even think you're getting this match. But it was uh, it was fine to build up what they... I, I really thought they were going to just like shotgun this onto Crown Jewel or something on, on Saturday, which I like this segment. I, I didn't need this match added. Gunther to. feels at this point like a strictly TV, like, you know, title defender, right? That's largely what they've been utilizing him for. Mm-hmm. So Miz is with Adam Pierce backstage and he says that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, I mean, another, another. The Observer uh, first ballot, you think? Yeah, I, I don't think he's going in on his Did you debate ballot. the Miz? Is he eligible yet? Um, he, he would be eligible. I don't think he's ever been on the ballot, though. Uh, he wants a title match. Pierce uh, indicates that another person is interested in a title shot as Bronson Reed walks in. So we would get that announcement later for a four-way next week on Raw. But we go back to the ring. DIY, which they promoted. It's DIY's first match on Raw. Like this was, you know, just cause for celebration. It's not even really true, is it? Like didn't they team up like way back when, when like during their first call-up when they were actually feuding with each other? Well, they didn't have the John Cena clarifications on this. Maybe it's like their first televised match on Raw gotcha. in October. Mm-hmm. Well, th- this is their first match as hashtag DIY. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Ciampa sends Vinci to the floor with a knee. Gargano hit a suicide dive. They had a very good match here. Kaiser drops Gargano on the floor. They come back from the break with the advantage on Gargano who makes the tag after a DDT and uh, Ciampa does his big comeback inverted DDT. And then Kaiser with the DVD Gargano makes the save. And then Vinci scales to the top, misses a moonsault and right into a knee from Ciampa. And then they hit him with meeting in the middle and pin him in eight fifty. Kaiser's pissed at Vinci. So we continue this. I think it's been like months of this guy being on the brink of being fired. And we're back to that as well, but Fine tag match for a DIY, a historical match for them coming back together. I thought a really good match. You know, um, my highlight was uh, Wade Barrett explaining what DIY means. <laughs> it's that right. do-it-yourself mentality. That's what DIY is all about. <laughs> Some people might not know. This is a show that gets broadcast in many countries, Don, and they might not use that saying uh, or that abbreviation everywhere. Um, this was like the type of match that I think would have received like a standing ovation in, in the performance center. But tonight's crowd just like didn't seem to cherish it as much. And I mean, um, I just maybe chalk it up to like where Ch- Chompa and Gargano are, you know, sort of on the totem pole of importance. And I thought you pointed it out perfectly. Whereas the Creeds are debuting, they feel fresh, they're, fi- they're on like a linear path from NXT moving up and achieving, you know, the potential is there. Whereas like, Gargano and Ciampa, despite this being, uh, quote-unquote, their first time teaming up together on the main roster, it feels like we are um, trying to recapture magic that's already been lost. Uh, not to say they can't do it, but they, because they certainly can't. But, like, man, their re-debuts have been so – their call-ups have been so jumbled, you know, for years now that um, they're going to do a lot – have to do a lot of heavy lifting to convince people that this one will be different. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. 
Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Another video from Shinsuke Nakamura. He's still looking for his next sacrifice. Where are you? Do you want me to choose you or will you choose me? Awaken me. What are you afraid of? Poke the lion. That is what a strong, brave hero does. Do it. Show yourself. I am waiting. And boy, when he opened the door later tonight to find out who was behind it for next week's match, boy, that's the look I think everyone had. <laughs> Akira Tazawa would be stepping through the door. This is this big match next week. I, th- I thought it was going to be uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima. I think he's busy now, is yeah. he? Um, by the way, for, for Nakajima, he finished up with Noah over the weekend, and he is doing a triple crown match. Uh, he's, sorry, he's doing the match with uh, Kento Miyahara uh, this week. It's a rematch um, back when Miyahara had the triple crown title. This is not. Uh... Oh, sorry. I read this wrong. <laughs> he's, he is challenging for the triple crown title on November 5th. So he did the angle with Miyahara, who is not the triple crown champion. So I guess he is. He's facing Yuma Aoyagi, then, would be my assumption from this. So is he signed with All Japan, or is, is this... I don't think he's signed. I think this is just, they're doing this, uh, this feels like a one-off. Okay. So anyway, right. that's the latest on the uh, the Nakajima front. Then Michael Cole throws to a video package on Candace Michelle. She's back. And yeah, Michael, to, wow, they're really pulling out all the stops here for nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Um, but then <laughs> you got us. You got Ric Flair. We got Candace Michelle. Yeah. Uh, so Candace LeRae video aired. Um, she is tenacious and never wavers, no matter what stands in her way. That's what they had to work around with the video package. And then Wade just made fun of Michael Cole for the rest of this show that he's stuck in 2008. And Cole's like, I'm never going to live this down. The man has to do has to remember a lot of names, I suppose. I mean, yeah, there's um, how many Candaces has he called in his uh, career? Two. Oh, yeah, there must be another Candace. Hmm. Candace Cameron ever a guest host? I don't think so. N- not to my knowledge. No. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Candace LeRae, not Michelle, took on Zia Lee. And after Xia Li used the ring skirt to try and suffocate Candace, she hits a high kick and a spinning roundhouse kick. And uh, Candice LeRae wobbles to the floor. She goes down, and the referee has to call this off in 2.05 as she waves down the trainers. And uh, Zia Lee wins by uh, by knockout here, which we had, like, she nails the kick. Candice is out, and the referee's like, wait, wait. I was like, this is not how it works. Is this a stoppage or not? Like, let's check I, if she can. And boy, so- did this referee give her the leniency here. So I very much think that they were trying to like act as if this was like a shoot knockout, you know, I think that's what they're trying to convey. Like that same sort of awkwardness of like, Hey, what's this weird pause in action. That's not supposed to be there. Uh, coupled with, she might've like the referee might've thrown the ax, you know, at, at some point. Um, and like, I didn't lo- hate this finish at all. I, I, in fact, I kind of liked it as a way to continue to educate your audience that TKO or like ref stoppages should be a thing, especially when, you know, you might actually have to rely on them, especially like, man, even in the match prior where like Vinci took that like brutal knee from, from Champa that did yeah. not look great. Um, listen, like, uh, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. We talked about it with Mox. We talked, talked about it with Brian. 
wrestling fans have to be open to the idea that matches should be stopped at any point. And I almost felt like this was like paving the the way for the next time something like this needs to happen legitimately. Zayn and Jay Uso, they're in the back. Jay wishes Zayn good luck. And then Jackie Redman comes in. I want to speak to Jay, not you, Sammy. So Sammy has to leave very awkwardly. And uh, Jay is here just to say, I'd love to win the tag titles again with Cody and then see how Rhea feels about that. Yeet. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. Great update. Shane and Baszler video. And then we had this great video on Drew McIntyre. He returns to the performance center, an empty performance center. As we see highlights of WrestleMania 36, a time that no one wants to remember. And he asks himself, was the sacrifice worth it? He goes over being fired in 2014, giving everything to this industry and coming back to win the Royal Rumble. I had the fans behind me and then everything changed. And I did what I've always done. My job. I put my body through hell, and then he had his run as champion. The pandemic ended, and he had to crawl his way back all the way to Clash at the Castle in Wales. And there we see Solo Sokoa and his absence. They could not find a clean shot of Jey Uso getting involved in this match that uh, Drew cannot forgive him for. And uh, Solo costing him the championship against Roman Reigns says he can't erase the past of what they did but he can make it right at crown jewel. This is everything for both him and Seth. Seth might be willing to break his back to keep that title. Well, I'm willing to break his back to win it. And Rollins was my first title defense. I'm going to be Seth's last. Mm. Excellent. Excellent video. I mean, there were a lot of video packages tonight. Again, um, I think most of them used very effectively, but a this lot was of them at the top of the. F- yeah. I would say a lot of them low on substance and really just like they're essentially just like here's their name, you know, but this was actually telling a story um, and it was a great it's a great story at that. You know, Drew has been, uh, again, the most interesting character, certainly on Raw, maybe the entire WWE and a video like this presented the totality of his story very effectively. It's a story that encompasses a lot of time and a lot of, you know, visuals um, from, you know, years past at this point and in a digestible four minute package, you got it all. I thought this was great. Like the idea of like the empty performance center and the shots of the empty seats. They just did a really good job of this. I think overall, like this, this build has been a very good one between uh, Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. Zoe Stark promo video. Um, Can't share the same analysis for, for that video. But then Seth comes out and he states, I'm a fan of Drew McIntyre. So I say this with all, re- with all due respect, which knew uh, a shot was coming. Boo hoo. You Scottish baby. All of us were suffering in 2020 during the pandemic. We had people worried about their next paycheck, their groceries coming, not being able to see a loved one again. And you're crying about not winning a title the way you wanted to. I mean, this guy just carved up Drew in this promo. You don't see Sami Zayn crying about the bloodline. And even though I don't like him, Cody not crying about it. Drew, you are a great champion, and if you win, I'll manage to shake your hand. But you're not facing the same man you did during your title reign. I'm not the messiah. I'm not the architect. I mean, this is god-awful names, too. Had a lot of them, yeah. The messiah. And then with that, he is jumped by J.D. McDonough, which takes us into the match. But a, a good promo here from Seth Rollins. And I think, like, giving you, like, your, your baby face promo. Like, this is a promo that, like, any fan listening to this can be like, yeah. Okay. You didn't win a title in front of 60,000 people. You're alive. Totally. A very strong promo from Rollins. I thought in that regard, I mean, I think this is, 
the best feuds have a heel that can make a great case and a baby face that can make an even better case to defeat sort of like, I don't know what the, whatever flawed logic might be in the heels argument, but it requires a heel that can argue it really well and believe in, in their argument really well. And I think drew is that I thought Rollins tonight gave a great counterpoint that effectively swayed the crowd back to his side. Maybe drew could come back and stay. Hey, I had to work all the shows as champion. We weren't even testing for COVID during those first few months. Okay. So that's what I was going through. Ooh, yeah. I don't know if they want to mention that. Seth and JD McDonough Rollins tosses JD to the floor, hits a suicide dive. And then they go to break as the crowd is singing. JD is continually avoiding the pedigree. And then he takes a buckle bomb. And as Seth goes for the frog splash, Damian priest walks down with the briefcase and he is positioned ringside as Rollins hits a back suplex off the top of the ring. And much like the last match we saw, the referee came over, checked on Seth and his back. It was the prime source of this back suplex affecting his spine. And they just waved off the match because this back is what they've been. No, uh, Seth actually just popped right up after this back suplex off the top. And uh, one's a story. One's real. Okay. Oh, that's why I wish they had just explained that, you know, whoever wins this last man standing match, Seth or Shinsuke, the winner gets like stem cells. And that's why Seth's his spine is like rejuvenated now. Mm. Uh, that was a stem cell on a pole match. Helen, Helen, <laughs> very good. So then Rollins uh, fl- uh, flips JD up and over into the pedigree and hits the stomp to win the match in 13 minutes and 57 seconds. Gets right up into Damien's face, dares him to make a move, and tells him, Don't waste that on me. So a nice match that Rollins and JD had with the uh, the oversight of Damien Priest here, who uh, came down and did nothing. I mean, he played mind games, you know, and put, oh, put the t- how effective. Well, he fed the T's in there so that on what is it Saturday, Saturday, you know, he's he, he might be off his game. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I bad back that Seth is nursing to go into Saturday with. He's weakened based on on this match clearly. Oh, well, of course he is. Uh, give him a few days though. I'm very curious know, about but... this back injury of Seth's. Well, it's a long term story, you see. Um, anyway, but, uh, I, I, I mean, I wonder if Drew was actually present tonight and if they didn't have that very good video, if they might've done more to in, in studio, but I thought the video itself was, was effective enough. And maybe they just decided to, um, you know, they, they, they've done the face to face already. I thought that video was super effective. The response, I, I don't even know if you really needed another, you, you didn't No, And I think, um, having the priest reminder adds another element to the match, or at least the pay-per-view that you could get the cash in. They do have the uh, the live event tomorrow is in Glasgow, and I assume Drew is probably maybe on that that show uh, mm. as well. So that is probably where he was. Ricochet is with Adam Pierce, complains about the ending to the match with Dominic. He wants an IC title shot. Um, or sorry, that's what Pierce offers him the match uh, to get into. And then Chelsea Green and Piper Niven show up as the Hart Foundation. This was a pretty good outfit, especially Piper Niven as Jim Neidhart and doing the laugh at the end. This this might have been Piper Niven's like biggest contribution on Raw so far. Um, perhaps they looked amazing. Yeah, yeah this was good. Great it was outfit. A, very good. It was like Chelsea Green got like a perm here for this uh, yeah. this interpretation of Brett. And I mean, Jesus Christ, Piper Niven as Jim Neidhart was just fantastic. Excellent. I mean, Excellent. really good stuff. Might have, had, then, might have borrowed the jacket from Natty. Probably did. You would yeah, you would think. Maybe. And what was funny was Pierce goes from this scene to he turns around and then 
the more ridiculous Halloween costumes walk in with Ivar <laughs> and Valhalla, who's like, no, this is just our natural state. And they want to talk about an IC title match as well. So you can see where this is going to. Jackie interviews Becky Lynch, and she has lost the women's title, but praises Lyra Valkyria and defended her title more than Rhea Ripley and Roman Reigns have all year. Burn. And she doesn't need the title. The title needs her. And then Zia Lee walks in asking if she's scared of her. Becky's willing to fight right now. And Zaya says, on my time. I thought Zaya sounded really good here. You know, I, I was impressed with her delivery and her confidence in this scene. They also gave her, um, like in her video package, subtitles as well. So um, I I hope that this is a proper run for her. She had those great, remember those animated vignettes telling her story about the bully and everything? And remember the entrance she had after they aired those? Mm-hmm. Tonight she had a much, like, she just had, like, very basic, like... Got rid of the the what is it the augmented reality VR type yeah. of thing, um, but, but she's I hope a master this in wushu as Wade Barrett noted. Yes, she is. Yeah, uh, I I hope this means like a sustained push for her um, because she, she's sort of been in, in waiting for quite a while. But in that time, it seems like her confidence has really kind of gone up on the microphone. Well, she get, should get a TV match with Becky at the very least. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is where they announced Sami Zayn and JD McDonough added to the kickoff of Crown Jewel. Chelsea Green, Natalia, trick or street fight. I felt I watched on Saturday with Hikaru Shida and Abaddon, but we got the WWE version here. Pumpkin pie, candy corn, kendo sticks. We had a uh, bobbing for is apples. Is candy corn that that bad? No. Like, I not. don't even know if I've had candy corn. I probably just always threw it out as a kid, but is it that like hard? So, let me tell you, you, of the things that you could um, pour out of a bag, yeah. this would be the one I would take a superplex on. What wouldn't you Take a superplex uh, on. Uh, tax, Lego, glass. I was going to suggest like a candy, you know, for the theme. Of oh. Um, like rockets? Um, toffee. Like those hardened ones. The ones in the... Uh, the, the caramels? The, 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 you know the, the ones the that you bet that were in the uh, the the orange and brown twisty oh, ties? Awful. That Nobody always felt those. like someone has left these Don't be the house that gives those away. They're the worst. Please. I don't know why they even sell them. Like, do people like actually actively buy them, or is it just they're probably cheapest? on sale at like a bulk barn, and you just get five hundred of them? And they I'll tell that. you what, Toblerone. Okay, not that many people are giving out Toblerones for Halloween, but if you I'm want to pick candy, suplex on Toblerone. Yeah, watch out. Would you ever be the like give out the the actual size candy bars or are you like the minis um, i have a mortgage dude are you kidding me yeah. i can't i can't afford that so they go through all of these these spots here and green is uh shoved into the uh into the the bobbing for apple spot niven then goes after natalia and she tries for a double sharpshooter but is sent into the post and then natalia lifts up the pumpkin this did not get the hikaru Shida pop on saturday that, there are no we want pumpkins no change. that crowd went insane for the pumpkin on collision but this time uh lifts it up green then lifts another pumpkin and there is nikki cross <laughs> this was definitely a great spot it was the only memorable part of this match for me she's just looking stoic and green freaks out and drops the pumpkin on top of her own head and then walks into the post where the pumpkin falls off <laughs> yes this was a this was great like wade barrett i think he was like semi-confused if it was really her or a dummy and michael cole is like no i saw her nose flinch it really is nikki cross because dude she was not moving here this was this is an incredible level of concentration uh, not since linda mcmahon in wrestlemania 17 have we had such a great performance 
candy corn is poured out of the bag, but Green stops Natalia and power bombs her on it. Uh, sorry, Green is the one that takes the power bomb on the candy corn, but then the sharpshooter uh, is applied. Niven gets on the apron to stop it, and then Green misses, throwing pie in Niven's face, but it leads to the unprettier off the distraction. And Chelsea Green, one of the women's tag team champions, gets a victory on television in 533. Unreal. Well, she lost the Shotzi. She's the lost queen, everybody. The queen of Halloween. Well, what they, they, they can't just give away wins everywhere, right? You know, she finally needed one. She got it here. Uh, maybe she should stay dressed as Brett. I think they should be the heart, the H-E-A-R-T foundation from now on. I think this is a way better path for these two. The H-E-A-R-T-Y. The Heart Foundation, like that's yeah. But what what does hearts have to do? What well, she's the. Uh, I, I feel it would work for for Chelsea. You've got the unprettier. Um, okay, all right, I like it. I'm I'm going for ideas for this tag division, and I think you could go a lot worse than this. <laughs> yeah, I I thought this was an entertaining match, John. You know, it was not meant to be taken seriously in the least, and you could clearly. Tell I took this the... very very seriously. Yeah, what's I... what, what's your cage match rating for this? Oh, I don't know. I this uh, one's... It... It was meant to be taken as fun, and I thought it was. You know, I thought Chelsea is perfect for a match like this. She's she was really funny. I, I thought, and um, if this was the only type of match you had on this show, then yes, you could complain. But this show already gave us some great wrestling throughout um the, these three hours, and I thought a match like this to break it up was perfectly acceptable. So next week it is Bronson Reed, The Miz, Ivar, and Ricochet for the IC title shot, and Shinsuke Nakamura against Akira Tozawa. This well, is the one and only time I think ever that it, we will have an advertised Akira Tozawa match a week out from a program. I don't know if it'll be very long of a match. Um, John might be, might be 30 seconds tops here. So what could Tozawa be leading to though? I mean, could it be um, Gable? Could it be Otis as Nakamura's actual sacrifice? That's possible. You could get, you could get them into like one, one, one of those two, which is a, a fine direction to, to go to. It feels like they're building up for something uh, grander. Hmm. Has Shinsuke retired the GTS after all these weeks? I mean, last he wrestled, I feel like he used it. Yeah, he did. Uh, so maybe we'll we'll find out next week. Maybe that's the big sacrifice. Maybe that should have been what Akira Tozawa dressed up as tonight to set up the match. Kenta. Oh, okay, as Kenta, right. Damian Priest and Sami Zayn is the main event. Uh, after the break, Balor and Dominic come down. South of Heaven gets countered into a roll-up, and Priest hits the Reckoning, which Michael Cole points out, that's the Reckoning. He doesn't use that much anymore. And you know what, Wade? It looks a lot like the Crossroads, who he's facing on Saturday. Mm. Well, Michael Cole, could you possibly carry me by the hand more to get this story over? Like, my God, they like someone just thought of this. Like, wait a minute. They had the same finisher. He stopped using this when Cody came to WWE. They're facing on Saturday. It's like, I, I love the simplicity of this. But now you have both men fighting on Saturday with the same finisher. Dom nails Zane behind the ref's back. Balor distracts as Jay Uso comes out, taking out Dom and Taylor. And then Jay just comes in the ring and then he fends off Priest with a super kick. So we get a DQ in nine minutes and 11 seconds. Trick or treat. And then Judgment Day beat down Jay and Zane when Cody's music hits and the man limps down the ring to the ring, going after Priest. 
um, he's got the recuperative skills of Seth Rollins because he was able to hold his own here on one leg. Jay and Zayn hit dives to the floor onto Balor and Dom. And then Cody gets Damian Priest on top of the desk, but he is saved by JD from a crossroads. JD then eats a halluva kick, and this guy is just a crash test dummy. He takes two crossroads on top of the desk. The table is 2-0 and after these moves. And Cody then gets on the mic and says, Priest was unsuccessful taking him out. I get back up. That's my story. What's your story? And I was like, dude, it's 1059. You don't have time for a story. You've got time for a limerick at most. And he goes on about... You're behind all the members of the Judgment Day. You're behind Rhea. You're behind Finn. You're behind even Dominic. And I get back on my path on Saturday, and my path goes straight through Damian Priest. And then our go-home line is Michael Cole asking, will it be a Saudi Arabia nightmare for Damian Priest? Oh, goodness. Interpret that however you will. Tune in Sunday, Saturday. It's Crown Jewel. Well, um, I thought quite the promo from Cody here. You know, he um, was not given that much time. Probably a lot of that time. No, they went over slightly. Well, a lot of time probably taken from that second crossroads. I mean, you could tell like he was kind of debating, should I do it again? This crowd really wants it. The table does not break break again. Don't hold the people back. I don't, they might, they, they, maybe they need some sort of remote that automatically breaks those tables that they can control from the back just or something. explodes upon yeah. any kind of impact. Sure, I don't know. But a hell of a promo, I thought, um, here. Fired up from last week's attack. He had a great voice and attacked Priest at his core insecurities here, pointing out that Rhea is more of a leader than he is. Even Dom is more of a leader than he is. So, uh, strong end, I thought. That was raw. Uh, a fine episode tonight. It had, uh, a few decent matches. I really enjoyed the introduction of the creeds. I thought that was like one of the big takeaways on the show. Big, uh, good build for Rollins and for Drew. Rollins had a very good match with uh, JD McDonough. Uh, Ricochet Dominic, it, it was fine. DIY Kaiser and Vinci. Like you really did not have, um, it, it was it was like the two women's matches were kind of your your lower points on the wrestling. But I had no problem with the Zia Lee, Candice LeRae finish. And to your point, like the trick or street fight was the trick or treats trick or street fight. Yeah. Say that f- five times. I can't, I, I definitely can't. Um, uh, I thought it was a good raw, you know, like it was a raw where like the three hours um, for once didn't necessarily it flew by. Flew. Just blend. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say that, but um, <laughs> one more hour, one more hour. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But I thought it was a good show that like, um, you know, had very effective use of video um, built Walter crown jewel. Like you said, great debut for the creeds. I would say a very good debut for DIY as well. Redebut, I should say. And, uh, you know, did everything you needed to for Crown Jewel. All right. If you want to uh, shoot in any uh, Super Chats, you're welcome to do so. And a reminder that we will be back later on this week. We have uh, Up Next that will be on Wednesday this week at 2 p.m. Eastern time because uh, Davey and Braden will be off uh, Halloween night, but back the following day recovering from Halloween night. So tune in at 2 and see what is left of Braden and Davey. Uh, or tomorrow night go on their social medias and look up um, see what they're dressed up as how are they going to follow up brock sorry who who, arn anderson glock anderson and cody rhodes from last year yeah i mean boy um that's high praise to try and to try and follow that one Mm -hmm. um also on wednesday pollock and thurston at three we'll be joined by kareem zidane and then myself and way wednesday night for rewind to dynamite and finally rewind away on thursday we are going back to april 26th of 2000 for WCW Thunder, David Arquette 
winning the WCW championship. I have not started this show yet. I've been putting it off and we'll have to watch it over the next two days. Mm, okay. Let's go to Jake Olinar, who sends a super chat just to say, rest in peace, Matthew Perry. Chandler was his favorite friend. Were you a big friend watcher? I mean, big enough, you know, it was definitely mm. my favorite show, but um, I, I probably have seen almost every episode and a very sad story. Absolutely. A very, very sad story. He lived a very, very troubled life um, and was very open about it. And I mean, seemed to be somebody that was just, you know, you talk about somebody that was just a, um, you know, just beset with tons of uh, alcohol and drug dependency, but seemed like just the amount of tributes for him of this guy that just sought out to help so many people um, as well. Like you've just seen a lot of, um, you know, I, I really uh, like the, you know, the quote that when he was promoting his book last year and stating the fact that like, it's great and all with friends, but it's like, I don't want that to be my legacy. I want my legacy to be that, you know, I'm somebody that has been through all of this and have tried to uh, like help others. It, like he seemed like somebody that was just, you know, chasing happiness. And this is a very, you know, that's a, it's a very complicated thing to define in uh, people's life. But I think certainly um, I was not a religious viewer of friends, but watched enough. And I think, I think everyone enjoyed the character of uh, Chandler Bing. Now, he was also great on West Wing. He was on a uh, sunset uh, studio 60 hmm. when that was running. I, I never watched much beyond that, but I mean, on friends, like the, I kind of almost considered him like the lead. I mean, there really is no lead. It's very much like judgment day. There is no leader in, in friends, but um, he always seemed to me um, had some of the more, um, I don't know, main storylines, uh, his relationship with Monica. I mean, maybe a tie into to David Arquette, I suppose, but the on-screen husband of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Courtney Cox, um, he was a great in that role. And, uh, was just really fantastic um, on that show. So yeah, rest in peace. All right. We're going to go to Manny from Pacoima. Never did I ever think the challenge and WWE would come together. It's a, it's a saw win miracle. The Creed's had a fantastic debut. I honestly didn't think they would actually pick up the win. I do hope they're given a mouthpiece because the promos where they lack Cole's one liners during the trick or street fight had me laughing. I don't drink, but his candy is candy and liquor is quicker. Really popped me. Hope you all have a wonderful and safe Halloween night. Well, you too, Manny. Thanks, Manny. We got a muggin who says the go home show had some things to like. Sami Zayn is stepping up. Creed Bros and Alpha Academy was an Olympic level tag match, and it was even better that the Creeds went over. Halloween Havoc tomorrow should be their swan song from NXT. DIY didn't miss a step. The Drew McIntyre vignette was terrific as it paints him in a sympathetic light. Cody gave Priest a much needed food for thought. Does he want to be a leader or a follower? Muggin always leaves us with like those those deep philosophical questions hmm. from this show. I always appreciate those. So yes, is he a follower or is he a leader? Tune in Saturday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks everyone for the feedback and for tuning in tonight. Uh, again, rewind away Thursday for all members at postwrestlingcafe.com. Uh, Wednesday, we'll go over some of the highlights coming up this month on the Post Wrestling Cafe, but we will have three editions of Rewind Away coming up this month. What are the shows we are reviewing? We'll tune in Wednesday. And uh, also, the audio updates, still a staple uh, throughout the week for Double Double and Espresso members at postwrestlingcafe.com. You got one on Sunday as well as today uh, from yours truly. So you can uh, check those out and enjoy. Have a safe Halloween and tune in to Up Next on Wednesday to find out the the reveals of a... Do you have any predictions or do you already know what they are dressing up as? Man, he told me, but I've completely forgotten now. So it is wrestling related. So 
I'm, I'm sure we'll all get a great kick out of it. I remember reacting really well when he told me. So the bar is high. Okay. So the bar is I, very high. I, Hey, very quickly, charitybuzz.com slash MMM2, where we have Robert Pearson's real digital Monster Media Mash 2 auction, where you can uh, bid on your chance to have your own edition of Rewind Away, where we review whatever you want, uh, send your bids, and we have one more week to go. Yeah, we really want to like destroy everyone at this, okay? So there's multiple uh, people that you can bid on. I-, I want us to be able to just dwarf everybody else in the field so you get your own edition of rewind away as well as some very limited edition john pollock and waiting themed merchandise so uh go on over place your bid and we're not beating peter rosenberg here currently he's at 1000 bids okay for a personalized cheap heat championship well, f- belt. five bids not 1000 but the sorry sorry a bid of 1000 dollars. okay we got to catch up all right so um currently at 250 it's okay there's still time to go but yeah well, i don't think we're catching peter rosenberg well we can try uh so what <laughs> once again the address is charitybuzz.com slash mmm2 all right there you go thanks everyone for tuning in we'll speak with you on wednesday say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill